0: We continue in our series, Galatians, if you can turn to Galatians 5. Last night we witnessed what's becoming an increasing trend. The decline of professional boxing. (laughs) Yet again, we walked away disappointed and utterly vexed with how much they fooled us. It wasn't boxing. It was a hugging and kissing match. (laughs) Tic-tac-toe. Hokey-pokey. It was something, but it wasn't boxing. But what makes you mad is they pay a man $1 million at the beginning of the fight because he's patented a phrase. The phrase is, Let's get ready to rumble. And everybody's like, ah, ah, that's what I'm talking about. I want to see some blood. I want to see some sweat and some tears. Only to be followed up by. Ding, ding, ding. Christian life is totally the opposite. While some people think that getting Jesus Christ would then enter them into a fluffy life of tiptoeing through tulips, tic-tac-toe, dominoes, and an occasional sermon or two, the Bible makes clear that the Spirit of God has already announced through the Word in the words of Michael Buffer. Let's get ready to rumble. Some of us are used to this because our determination to obey the scriptures introduced us to a war that we didn't bargain for. The gospel, this good news we've been talking about, is good news because of what it ultimately achieves. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't come with some things that we'd rather do without a rumble. We've been in this series called Life and Light of the Gospel where we, we, we're hoping that our generation, we know we have teenagers that sit among us. We know we have college students that sit among us. We know we have people that think they're going to get something unique and different. People come in, braided up, uh, dread it up, uh, sliced, diced. I mean, we got every type of person that comes through these doors and we never want it to be that you come to these doors and can't be able to articulate what the gospel is. So we say, let's go to a book that's out to reinforce the gospel. That's what made us get into the book of Galatians. The gospel is that good news that is unparalleled. There's no other good news like the gospel because nothing can make it or mess it up. Somebody could say it would be good news to hit the lottery. Three hundred and sixty million dollars would be good news, but not if you got the winning ticket and on your way to get the ticket. You hit a car and you're a vegetable for the remainder of your years with a winning ticket. Deep. Deep thinking to yourself, but I got a winning ticket. Three hundred and sixty million. The gospel is good news that can't be altered by death or life. So the Bible says, here's the gospel. God, who determines what happens in life and God, who determines what happens in death and God, who determines what happens after death, has already made it available that you can have a life that will never end. And he offers it to sinners. Now, that's only good news if you know you're a sinner. So people who diddy-bop in church but don't think that they're sinners or take the sting out of being a sinner because they say, Well, we're all sinners. So it doesn't feel like good news because you don't realize that something you desperately need has been granted and is available. So we've been talking about, but when a person is rocked off of his sinfulness and says, Dag, I'm so sinful, I don't deserve an audience with God, but he gives it to me freely. Woo! All of a sudden, something changes in that person's life. And so we don't want you to come here and go and say gospel is music. Gospel is not music. Gospel is a message that God has died for sinful simple, simple people like you and me. Grab hold to that and run hard with it. So now we're living life in light of the gospel. And last week, Pastor E got to a place where he talked about the purpose of the gospel is Freedom. And he said, but let me define freedom. It isn't freedom to go and jump off a cliff. It's freedom to fully max out, to fully enjoy God. It's freedom to fully enjoy his people. It's it's freedom to fully enjoy his creation on his terms. And he said, that's enjoyment. And it's for freedom that God has set you free. Now, that's only good because we know what it's like to have something but not experience the freedom that comes with it. I'm not free when I have brand new Air Force Ones. I'm not free. First of all, because sneakers were meant to be walked in. But I don't like to walk in fresh Air Force Ones because it might crease. Now, (laughs) they weren't made to not crease. They were made to walk. But I can't. I'm not free. I'm like. toes balled up, not a comfortable walk at all, <laughs> putting stuff under it. But I'm like, actually, I'm freer when I get that first crease, the one I didn't want to get. I, ah, wow, all right, bet. <laughs> I mean, it's too late. now. I'm actually more free. It's because now I can enjoy the shoe. When it's already so scuffed, I ain't got to worry about the scuff. I'm actually free. Oh, that's all right, yo. When I, Before I get that first scuff, I'm not free. I'm like, whoa, 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 watch out. <laughs> freedom to enjoy it, not just to have it. The gospel is freedom to enjoy it. When you don't have um, car insurance, you're not free. You're looking at everybody, people who are not getting in your lane, like, hey, hey, watch it. <laughs> They're over there and the, over across the medium. <laughs> you almost hit me. <laughs> Every now and then I'll rent a car and I get full coverage. Then I'm free. First of all, it's not my car. When you, it's free because it's not my car. It's free because I have full coverage. Now, sometimes I rent a car, I don't get full coverage. So I just let my insurance handle it because I don't want to pay this 20 something dollars a day. And then I'm not free again. I go to New York like I know it's not my car, but if I mess it up, I got to pay the deductible. So I'm driving in New York City or something. And I'm like, like, I'm not free to enjoy the, the, the V6. I'm not free to just turn lanes. I'm not free to just go anywhere because I'm always thinking, what if something happens that I have to pay for? You know that that is exactly what God has done, freed us up when it comes to our eternal life. He's made it so that you don't have to pay for it. But not only that, you don't have to maintain it. There's no deductible. You're not running around here like he gave it to me, but I still can mess it up somehow. Well in the book of Galatians, there were a group of people who came on the scene that said, "I know you saved and all that, but you also have to. And the moment you also have to with the thought and if I don't, I may, well then that's where you start not being free again. So Paul said, it's for freedom. But then somebody gets upset when you start talking about salvation is free of charge. There's nothing you can do to get it, and there's nothing you can do to mess it up. All of a sudden, at that point, somebody says, well, I just can't, I don't I don't believe that because I can't envision what would make somebody not want to just go sinning. Wow, like, well, like, If you tell people that when Jesus Christ saves you, you're eternally secure if he has uh, indeed saved you. You're eternally secure. They will then begin to say, oh, well then, shh, why am I abstaining from sex then? I might as well have sex because I'm going to heaven anyway. Well, why am I not smoking blunts again? Because if I'm going to heaven anyway, I should just smoke blunts. Why not? Paul says, well, there is another motive for abstaining. There is another motive for not abusing substances. There is another motive. And it's, the only motive is not the law. It's called the spirit. So today we want to talk about, let's get ready to rumble, the flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. In verse 16, which is where we are, Paul, anticipating that somebody has already said, well, if, you, if like verse 13 to 15 says in chapter 5, if we're called to be free and if we can be free and there's no law that's hawking us down to make sure that we stay within the bounds of righteousness, then somebody is perpetuating the truth, nah, you're going to need the law to keep people from going off the deep end. Verse 16 says, but I say, anytime Paul says, but I say, anytime Jesus says, but I say, anytime you hear, but I say, it's a contrast to what's floating around and working. See, if it wasn't working, he wouldn't say it. He'd just say, come on, you know. But when he says, but I say it, a popular teaching is starting to mess with you. But I say, but I say there is another way to keep people in the parameters of God (laughs) <laughs> thereby still keeping them free and it is this the command the command to walk by the spirit and you will not give in to gratify max out complete the desires of the flesh uh, the desires of the flesh follow me here real quickly he introduces this concept that many of us have heard the term, so don't let it bore you because you've heard the terms before, but just envision you were a Galatians and you were a new church because there's some people in here that are just as new to the faith as the Galatian church was, and then we need to be reminded, as though we were new, that there comes a time where God commands you, Walk by the Spirit as an antidote for giving into the flesh. We're going to talk about that. First of all, he says walk. Greek word, parapateo. One of the things about this word is it automatically lets you know this is not something you can do for a quick little moment and then go back to your old ways. Walk is a way of saying live. Live. That's the way the Hebrews looked at living life every day. It comes out of their trek and their journey through the wilderness, keeping up with what God was doing. So they developed this idea. Let's walk. Let's walk in the law or let's live our lives in the law. Well, now he's saying don't walk with the law as your main dictate. Live and walk and live your life with the spirit as your main uh, intake. Now, the good thing about this is with it being walk, it's in the continuous tense. So that means keep walking because what people do is I tried that once. Anytime somebody you start talking about the faith and they say, yeah, well, I tried that and they're no longer doing it. You know that they missed the point because you can't tell me I tried to walk. I took three steps and I, it just wasn't working. You weren't walking. You took three steps. Walk. Walk is in the continuous tense. It's active. Walk in the spirit. We're going to define it, but walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Well, if it's also now an active term, keep walking actively. This is not about say no to drugs. This is about what you're going to say yes to. This is not, well, I don't do that anymore. Well, tell me what you're doing. Nothing. I just don't do that. Well, you're still not doing what this says because this is not about not doing stuff. This is about doing stuff. Walk in the Spirit. This is a journey. This is the Christian life, which is why before they were called Christians, they were called the way. That means this is your steeds. This is your way of life walk in the spirit the spirit of god shows up seven times in this letter as someone who's vitally important to the christian journey out of all the religions and, and trust me most of the cults will laugh at you when you talk about the holy spirit they'll say you serve a spook god they used to tell me that you believe in a spook god but what they're admitting is we don't have the spirit All we have is a God who's outside of us, looking down, telling us what to do. The Bible, the the Christian God, no other faith has this. A God who takes up residence inside you and begins to work the circuitry of your soul. Now, you're going to need that. We have a brother in here that had to go to the hospital because something that we all just have on our own had to be placed inside of him in order to do what his internals were not doing. When it was malfunctioning, he had to go to the hospital so that they could examine the thing that we placed in you to do what what's in you can't do. We have to make sure that's working right. Well, that's what the religions of the world are missing. They don't believe that what's in them cannot pull off not catering to the desires of the flesh. But they don't have the internal mechanism that keeps you from doing that. Before you were saved, if, you were, if, you, if you're a believer in here, there are things that you would try to do that you couldn't do, that after you got saved, all of a sudden you began to do. He says walk in the Spirit. What is walking in the Spirit? Living in the Spirit. Living moment by moment in the Spirit. Whenever the Bible says in the it's usually something that, that has a range of meanings. In the, like you always say, walk in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Most people say that's tongues. Well, that, like, you have to understand what the in the means. So the idea here is, in the Greek, it's this idea of, it could be a couple things. Walk in the realm of where the Spirit runs his affairs. In the sphere of the Spirit. So right now, if I say, yo man, you better like, like go in the city You need to go into a place where it's city. You can't be somewhere where it's not city and call yourself in the city. Well, you can't be in the spirit if you're someplace where the spirit doesn't get down. So what the Bible is saying is, first of all, if this is in the sphere of the spirit, walk in, live in places where the spirit has set up shop and runs his affairs. That means that the believer enters into relationships that are in the Spirit. Okay, the, in this relationship, does the Spirit of God dictate how it goes down? We enter into business relationships with the Spirit of God. Now, you have to believe that the Spirit is a person, that he has a steeze, that he has a way about him, for you to appreciate this. Because otherwise you'll think you're entering smoke, just a smoke-filled room, like I'm in the Spirit Ooh, and it's like it's mystical. No, no. What we're saying is walk in a relationship with the third person of the Godhead who has particular characteristics in the Bible. The Bible says he's the Holy Spirit. So in him like this, like, you got to come correct when you're in his sphere. He exposes unholiness. Why do you think clubs are designed to be dark? Colorful lights, they only they don't start jumping till 11, they don't end till like 4, then it's like, oh, sun's up. All right, everybody, get out of here, for you see what's been going on here. The Spirit. He says, walk in the Spirit, the sphere, the place where the Spirit gets down. But maybe it's a combination of in and by the spirit, meaning by means of the spirit. The spirit is also the one who instructs us. The spirit is the one who instructs us. Now, some of us just sort of think we just sort of were moral people. But the spirit of God is what God placed in us to begin to make us stand firm with our moral commitments. And so one of the things that we do is we stay, we we may battle. Stuff that we, like, well, I'm moral, but if you don't have the Spirit of God, you'll be moral until it's convenient to not be moral. The Spirit of God helps you to be moral even when it's inconvenient. But he's the one that is dictating the way God operates to the believer moment by moment. We, every time we go out west, now everybody's starting to get GPS systems. Now, granted, you have to put it in, you have to plug it up, and you have to like, take it down so nobody will steal it. One day, of course, I'm sure it's just going to be built right into the dashboard, and you won't need a GPS that you have to plug up. But one of the things that God did was place inside of us the equivalent of a GPS. Now, one of the things about a GPS is you don't have to know where you're going. I mean, you don't have to know how to get to where you're going. All you have to know is where you're going you're like, oh Yo, man, I just want to go to, and you just find some place way out in the wild, wild west. And you just put that address in, and it'll just say, okay, turn left. Now, if you're moving by the GPS, every single turn they tell you to make, you make. Now, there comes a time where you be like, oh, I know a shortcut. <laughs> then turn right, you turn left, recalculating. And it'll say, it'll say I'm recalculating because based on what you just did, I still know how to get to where you need to go. And, as you know, you're like, oh, man, sure. turn, left. Oh, turn left. You turned right. Okay, bet. Recalculating. All right, now go up here and make a U-turn, dummy. Like, that's what it would say. <laughs> but eventually, it can get you there no matter what moves you're making. Now, if you get tired of hearing her, the voice is usually a her, contradicting your will, then you may just turn it off. I don't need her. Peep. And then, you know, you start going. Excuse me, do you know where 5th and such and such? Now, that's an external guide, pulling over, going to the gas station. Excuse me, can you tell me where Byberry Street is? God says, why be in bondage? Why be devoid of an internal mechanism that can tell you step by step? Why have to pull over and ask somebody outside? That's why the Bible says, walk in the spirit, believers. And you won't gratify the desires of the flesh because the spirit is in you. That's why I gave my people. Now, if you're not saved, you do not have the GPS in you. But for the believers, as the Galatians were, and for you, my brothers, who are in the faith, God says, walk in line with, first of all, hang out in spheres where the spirit operates Interrelationships where the Spirit dictates how it goes down. Intermarriages where the Spirit dictates where it goes down. Choose careers based on being able to fulfill the dictates of the Holy Spirit. But also, moment by moment, live your life. Now, you're going to have to learn the language of the Spirit in order to do it. The Bible tells us that basically the spirit is the word of God communicated to our hearts. Because God says, I place my spirit in you so that you will know my law and keep it. But he says, walk in the spirit and you will not obey the deeds of the flesh. Now, one of the things that he says here is you will not. It's in the strongest possible way to say you will not. Because again, the argument of Paul's opponents is, you're not, like, I'm telling you, he tricking you. You're gonna try that spirit stuff and you're gonna mess around here and you're gonna jump right into the flesh. He says, walk in the spirit and you absolutely positively cannot gratify the flesh. Now, I remember when I was a kid, they told me, you know, it's impossible to breathe and swallow at the same time. It's impossible to breathe and swallow. And I used to try it. Wait, wait. Wait, but it really is impossible to breathe and swallow. Some of you out there like. (laughs) He says these two things cannot happen at the same time. So whenever you start fulfilling the deeds of the whenever you hear about somebody who comes and confesses. The flesh got the best of me. You always see where he got off the road of walking in the spirit or where she got off the road of walking in the spirit. He says you will not tell or carry out, fulfill the deeds of the flesh. It doesn't say that you won't have the desires of the flesh. Now, that's relief to all of us because all of us are like, hey, I'm so weighted because the flesh is always making demands of me. But think about how many times you don't cater. How many times you don't give in? The Bible says if you're a believer, that was the spirit. And that was your leaning and relying on him and taking his way rather than your own way. You will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Now, the flesh is a funny word in the Bible. You hear it all the time. Jesus said flesh and blood didn't give you that. Sometimes the flesh is not a bad thing. It's just the natural you. Yo, your pops didn't tell you that. Your mom didn't tell you that. And you ain't come up with it. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that. But my father in heaven, outside of you, something happened. Other times it'll say something like, wait, Paul said in the beginning of Galatians, did you start with the flesh? I mean, did you start with the spirit, but now you're going to be made perfect by the flesh? Meaning human effort, just the human effort, not a bad thing, just natural. God didn't do it. He can't get credit for it. You get credit for it. He says. so is that how you're going to do? Other times the flesh is this enemy of the spirit's program, this enemy of the spirit's mind. And so when he says here, you will not. The command is live by the spirit so you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. That introduces you to the conflict between the flesh and the spirit. Verse 17, because the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So one of the things that he says here is there's this thing called the flesh. Everybody knows it like this is not new. Some of you, this is new. You thought it was just morals against morals. But God is saying, no, it's deeper than that. For the believer, the believer has in them that, that this internal opposition to the things of God. It resists authority. That just is the flesh. The fact that even little kids yank away from their parents shows you that the flesh already by nature doesn't like authority. Even human beings that worship only worship gods that they approve of. Because the moment you communicate God to somebody and tell them something they can't agree with, they don't want that God. Not my my God, not my God. Like, how, wait, but how are you going to determine, like, your God? I'm just saying, my God wouldn't do that. What if I could prove to you that your God did? Uh Uh-uh, because it wouldn't be my God then. Craves glory, the flesh, the part of you that likes to be recognized, the part of me, that that's the flesh. We like glory. How is it that Jesus is the second person to Godhead and he's never like, oh, no, I think I could take the father. How is it that the Holy Spirit, who's the third person, like that's because in them is none of the stuff that we're plagued with. Jesus came on the earth and talked like the father's greater than me and never like cringed at that. We don't like that because there's something in us since Adam that fights for glory. The flesh demands autonomy. We hate laws. You say don't touch it. That's when we want to touch it because we want to break the law. When there was no law, we didn't want to touch it. So, Paul says inside of us, there's something that is going to arise. He calls it desires, a very strong word, epithumia. It's also termed lust. You know how, like, when you like, it's different between liking and lusting something. When you use the word lust, it's such an intense and usually an illegal kind of like, but lust really doesn't have to mean that. It doesn't have to mean it bad. It's just it's always used so bad, and it usually is something so bad that now lust pretty much has one negative uh, connotation, one negative vibe. He says the flesh, lusts, it has lusts. It, it, it. It wants here and nowness. It entices. That's the way it works. Why do you think drugs are a hit? Because drugs are a huge enticement. It's a passion. Like that's the way we're made. We're made to have passions. But when once we became fleshly, all of a sudden our passions were, were, were wrong but strong. Strong and wrong. Wrong and strong. <laughs> they yearn. Like the words, is, it yearns for gratification. It won't let you rest. And so people who live according to the flesh come up with ways to make it so that you can't resist. I can't resist. But the world is an expert at this. This is the world we live in. It's governed by the flesh. That's why he says, walk in the spirit. There's synonyms in the Bible. Don't love the world. Why? The only thing that's in it is the lust of the, the lust of the, the lust of the, all these strong desires that are against God. We fall because the flesh is in full effect on us. Even Alvin and the Chipmunks this week. Kitty movie. But they know how the world operates. So Alvin, don't you wish your girl was a freak like me? I'm like, why is my six-year-old, my nine-year-old, my my ten-year-old listening to Alvin dressed in his innocent kid garb, spewing out the flesh? I want a freak. It's the way the world works. On the campaign, they said that the last presidential primary, they said, you spent 45 minutes on the slime of politics. And everybody said, well, I'll be honest with you. They were hurting for ratings. And they know that if we want to talk about the issues like budget deficits and gas prices, that's good and all, but that's not good for ratings. We want slime. The world." The flesh. But Paul says it. Paul says, that's why I'm telling you, the flesh is there. There is a conflict. There is a battle. Walk in the spirit and you won't gratify those desires. He says, because they're at war. He said, but the spirit is opposing the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you don't want to do. He says both of them are making their passions known. Both of them are making their demands on us. For the believer, the spirit is not sitting by like I can't keep up with that flesh. That flesh is something. I mean, every time I turn around, he up talking about some yo. Come on, let's. I can't keep up. If you want to follow me, just follow me. I ain't gonna keep reminding you to follow me. No. The Bible says that the spirit is, he is in the face of the flesh. And that's why the Bible says we must harden our heart. Because the only way you can tune out the spirit's voice is to keep ignoring him so much that you don't hear him anymore. Because he's so constant with his desire for you toward God. Paul says, I know a way to keep people from running off the deep end. Talk to them about the freedom of God as they walk in the spirit of God. Now, nobody in a marriage wants a spouse that will not cheat because they don't want to suffer the consequences. Now, that is a way. I just want to let you know I hired a private detective. Okay. You're bugged. Okay. There's a little camera on you. You don't know where. All right. And a transponder in your briefcase. (laughs) Hmm. I better not cheat then. (laughs) Honey, I I want to try a new principle. I took all that stuff away. Yes. (laughs) Private eyes off, payroll, no transponder, no camera. You're not bugged. All right. I'll see you later. All right. We can get it in. All the reasons for me not doing this have been removed. Or it could be, bam. Babe, hey, do what you want, but you don't want to mess up this. <laughs> it's over. It's over. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But which would you rather? Somebody who... Has an external reason why they won't cheat or an internal passion? Paul says the spirit is flushing up, gushing up internal motivations, internal passions that keep people from going and catering to the flesh. These polar opposites are raging. Raging. He says, and they both have a steeze. They both have characteristics. Let's look at them. The contrast between the flesh and the spirit. Verse 19. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He says, let's contrast these Just in case. He says, now, Paul was talking about the impact of the flesh in the Galatian community. See, most of us are just thinking about our own lives. Like, I'm I'm messed up. But that's not really what made Paul talk about this. Because, you know, in the Bible, there's so much more community thought that really Paul was saying, when I look at the way you all get down together, I'm not talking about just individuals. Oh, you're individually sensual. Oh, you're individually immoral. He's looking at the tenor of the whole congregation. And he says, now, you know the kind of stuff that's all up in here based on our past. He says, let me tell you, first of all, sexual immorality. He says, you know the flesh because the flesh always boosts up the works of immorality, sexual immorality. They come from a background of promiscuity. We live in an age right now where sex is just off the charts. Lick me like a lollipop. Shake your Laffy Taffy. Mariah Carey's hits. I don't even know the name of it. I just heard it the other day. Touch my body. Yeah. With a dude from the Geek Squad touching her body. You all to see the video. Good. It's so popular, it's so normal for sexual immorality to run rampant. Impurity, dirty conduct. Since you know the flesh, dirty jokes. Which is why when you go to any public school, everybody likes dirtiness. Even Christian schools that are in the flesh sensuality, licentiousness. I don't care what anybody thinks. This is Jerry Springer. This is like I do a whole show. Howard Stearns. I do a whole show that just lets you know we just let it go. It's on at our show. We come on late enough so that nobody can say anything to us. And then we go for hours. And if you're not careful in the flesh, you'll want to watch it. It's just idolatry. Some of y'all are like, well, I ain't, I ain't so freaky like that. It's okay with an idolatry. Because in Paul's day, they were into idols. Today, we're not into idols the way they were into idols, but we have other idols. He says, you know the flesh. The flesh loves to replace God. The flesh loves to let something be where God should be. Sorcery. Which in their day, drugs for poisoning, potions, spells, they were heavy into the witchcraft. And I know it's more subtle today, I'm sure. Somebody's like, oh, don't don't sleep. There's witchcraft today, and I bet you it is. But, I mean, usually people aren't just running around, like, with potions in America. (laughs) Like, working it out. But, if the shoe fits, wear it. It's the flesh. Enmity, hostility. Hardcore swagger. You know, one of the things that, as a hip-hopper, one of the things that we've done, we've had to clash with things that are in the culture that are not like the spirit. And one of them is this, enmity or hardcore brittleness, always frowning, look at me and I'll knock your head off type look, grimacing, bulletproof vest on, looking at somebody like, I'll knock you out just for saying Hi. Now, we laugh because, again, you've been tamed by the spirit. But most of us have left the city because that's what dominates the cities. And that's what we like. And when, uh, sometimes in the Christian rap world, we want to be like those, the thugs on the corner. We want to be like them. And so even in the Christian rap, everybody wants to be hard. He says, you know, that's the flesh. The flesh likes to be hard strife, argumentative. Some people, I, 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 I'll read you your rights. You ain't going to tell me. Like, that's the flesh. It's us. It's us. This is us. This is how we are. But he says, guess what? That doesn't come from God. You've been conditioned to be argumentative. And you don't mind anybody knowing it. So in the community, there's arguments. There's beef is jealousy. He says, often they start because somebody's jealous of somebody. I just don't like her. He think he all that. That's because he light-skinned it. <laughs> Sometimes it goes further. Fits of anger. We're talking about a contrast between the spirit. Fits of anger. I mean, you just keep looking today, somebody's shooting up schools. Then he goes and he says, but this is in the church. Rivalries which stem from selfish ambitions. I go for mine at your expense. Dissensions. People who put trouble in the water. Like these, like this is, like most people when they think of churches, they think of this stuff. He says, I know because it is true. The flesh is alive making demands on us. And we can give in or we can walk in the spirit. Envy. Drunkenness. Excessive drink. Orgies, he says, and the like. You could just keep writing this list. You could just keep going, and we dismiss, and y'all get in small groups and run and write some more, and then come back Wednesday to small group, and man to man, and write. He says, now I warn you, just like I warned you before, twenty one. Those who practice, do is in the continuous tense, such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The reason why we know that is because they were doing it and he didn't talk like they were going to hell because of it. He talked like you're acting just like people who are hell bound. Those who do these things, this will be the hell's makeup. Nobody will be in hell talking about something. Yo, I was a nice person. This will be the makeup. He says, so why are we acting like the people who won't inherit the kingdom of God? This is why me and secular hip-hop parted ways. Because these things are the crux of the culture I was so passionate about. And I know we keep arguing. We need to love the world. We need, to lo- we need to love them. And we do. But it is what it is. This is why Pastor E says, I, I got out the frat. Because this whole litany of characteristics, this was what it was about. And sure, they did good things, but the good things were done by people who were this. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Once again, here's that Contrast. Now everything that he talked about has been in the community. Now look what he does. Give you, but the spirit, not only are those the works of the flesh, he doesn't say, now let me tell you about the works of the spirit. Because the works of the flesh are the actions that have full blast in our energy. Now he makes a consciousness but the fruit of the spirit because he doesn't want them to get it twisted. Because the spirit, the contrast between the flesh and the spirit is one, we, 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 those are our works. But the fruit is not our fruit. It's his fruit. It's good, right? He says, let me tell you what the spirit blossoms up in a believer internally. Love. Yeah, yeah. See, the first was a whole bunch of lust, immorality, sensuality, and impurity. He starts with the kingpin of all, love. See, when the Spirit get a hold of you, you go from just lusty to love. Agape. Lavishing on people. Love you give somebody who deserves it, even if they don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. See, that comes from the Spirit. Just the Spirit does that kind of internal drive. He starts making you passionate. And I don't know about you, but... All of a sudden when you get saved and all of a sudden when God begins to get a hold of you, love becomes a trait you start seeing in your life. Hmm. Says, doesn't a community need that in order to be a community of faith? Says joy. 21 times Paul uses the word joy uh, more than anybody else in the New Testament. Believers are joyous, which is why it's conditioning when you're grumpy. You've been conditioned to be grumpy. You're resisting the fruit of the spirit when you're always got a sour look on your face. You always got a chip on your shoulder. That's not even Christian. When we come into the place and we sing joyously and you just sit there sort of like unmoved, that's conditioning. That's you with some circles and that's how they got down. So you've learned to just sort of chill. Skipping through life and you're always like the hardness of the city and the roughness of your surroundings are stifling the fruit of the spirit because the fruit of the spirit is joy. And it's a conscious decision to have an exuberance that comes from knowing God has already secured me. I'm in his family and I'm, I'm ready to just express what internally is inside me. You can't help yourself. The Spirit just produces this in you. He says, peace. Shalom is the equivalent. Wellness in the midst of disturbance. We don't need everything to be right in order for us to have peace. You say, yo, you're talking religious. Like, I don't know what else to do. Ten commentaries and all of them take terms that we've known. Greek lexicons, and all of them say, yeah, peace. You know what it is. The same reason why Paul said, now, the, the, work, the works of the flesh are evident. Like, you don't need a dictionary. Because we don't use the word lasciviousness, you may. We don't use licentiousness. So we'll give you some synonyms. But he says, you know what this stuff is. And you know when it's the flesh, you know when it's the spirit. Patience. He says, no community of faith. Could make it without patience. Because God is a rotisserie God and often slow cooks his people. <laughs> and so you got to be able to have patience. He says, but don't worry, you don't got to come up with that patience. I'm going to build it in you. Kindness. We're conditioned to be mean because the spirit produces kindness. Kindness. Here you are, ma'am. Here you are, sir. That's all right, chief. We're kind, unless the flesh is your GPS. Faithfulness, reliability, gentleness, meekness is a synonym, self control. Now, if you look and you compare the fruit of the spirit with the steeze of the flesh, dissensions, rivalries, division, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, envy, drunkenness, orgies, self-control, jealousy, enmity, sensuality, love. Which one most describes you today? Which list is us? So at the end of the day, people, he says, the command, walk by the spirit. It will be impossible at that point to gratify the lust of the flesh. He says there's a conflict. Don't be disturbed when, but you envy wants to rise up. Don't be disturbed when the passion for what's sensual rises up. It's a war says, but there's a contrast between who's in you and where you come from, who's in you and who's at work in the world, who's in you and who's trying to get you to stop walking according to the one who's in you. So, so the conclusion is this verse twenty five. It says, Against such things th- there is no law, and those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. 25, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. comes full circle. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The reason why we know that they already were going through this, because he said that going into this, and he says that going out. Provoking, envying, consumed by one another, tearing each other down. Now, that might not be what's going on in Epiphany right now. It may not be what's going on in your circles right now. But something is going on, and God says, those who live in light of the gospel have a command. Walk by the Spirit. Don't make the Christian life up. Don't don't come up with stuff. This is why we stress the Bible, because this is how we learn what the heartbeat of the Spirit is. He speaks Bible to us. He speaks Bible to us. I'm going to read something on my as I close. G.I. Packer in his book, Keeping in Step with the Spirit, says this. By the Spirit's enabling, Christians resolve to do particular things that are right and actually do them. See, we don't just ow oh, you, know, I should. You like I should and you do it. He says, and thus form habits of doing right things. And out of these habits come a character that is right. So in action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character, says the proverb. And this is true in natural life, so it is in the life of grace. Yet we need to remember two things here, both of which sometimes get forgotten. First, is that the Spirit works through means. Through the objective means of grace, namely biblical truth. You got to know the Bible. Prayer. The moment you stop praying, you start sinning. The moment you. Fellowship. You got to be with believers. In circles where the Spirit gets down. Worship. You show me a cat that. Consistently misses gathering with the people of God on a regular basis. And I'll show you a dude who is not as bad as he could be. But not in the spirit. I know a few people. The Lord's Supper. And with them through the subjective means of grace whereby we open ourselves to change. Namely thinking, listening, questioning oneself. Examining oneself, admonishing oneself, sharing what is in one's heart with others, and weighing any response they take. So he says this walking in the Spirit is not just some nebulous concept. It includes the Spirit's means of doing this is by you examining yourself, asking, yo, was I tripping? Mm, Is this true about me? Mm, Weighing any response they give. Watch this. The Spirit shows his power in us. Not by constantly interrupting our use of these means with visions, impressions, or prophecies, which serve up to us ready-made insights on a plate, so to speak. Such communications come only rarely, and to some believers, not at all. See, some people just, ah, forget all of that. Forget all that contemplating and studying and reading and twisting and examining and trying new habits. Forget all of that. Just give me a word. He says that's not how the spirit usually does. He says that's rare. Therefore, he's admitting that I'm not a complete cessationist. I'm not saying God will never do anything in your soul to to give you guidance. What he's saying is that's rare. And for some people, it doesn't happen at all. I know everybody wants it to have happened. So go ahead. It's rare for you. But he says some people want ready-made insights on a plate. says, no, 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 no. He says, the Spirit uses these things. He says, holiness, I'm I'm coming to a close. Teaching that skips over discipline, persistence in the well-doing that forms holy habits is thus weak. Habit forming is the Spirit's ordinary way of leading us in holiness. So when you say, I'm going to wake up regularly and I'm going to make this my habit to be in the Bible every day. At some point, I'm going to make it my habit to meet with men once a week. I'm going to make it my habit to make sure I'm in the sphere where godly conversation is. This will mark my life. And because it's walking, it's not I do it a couple and then I get, I, I finish and I stop and I just sort of take, you know, take my foot off the gas. And he says, no, when you form these holy habits, the spirit is in them to reap a character that is spirit filled. The fruit of the Spirit itself is, from one standpoint, a series of habits of action and reaction. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control are all of them habitual dispositions that is, accustomed ways of thinking, feeling, and behaving. Habits are all important in holy life particularly those biblically prescribed habits that we find, excuse me, habits that we find it difficult and even painful to form. I close the day. We as a younger generation, we've been freed up by the talk of grace. Back in the days before Internet and PS3 and, I mean, all the stuff that keeps us busy and occupied, people had so much time on their hands they formed habits. Habits of godliness. Habits that put them in a stream where the Spirit could communicate and blossom His fruit into their lives. We're so busy, we can't form habits. And even when we form habits, we're so proud of ourselves that we tell ourselves we deserve a break today. And then that break becomes a habitual break from our habits. (laughs) So we see people who, like... Come every so we're sporadic with our holy habits. Paul says, The word on the street is if you want people to continue to live right, preach law to them. You better, you better, you better, because God will. He says, I'll do you one better. You're free, you're free, but walk in the spirit. And you won't fulfill what leads to death. Now, in Romans, he talks about walking according to the flesh leads to death. So I didn't even get into the and the Christian who wants to walk according to the flesh. I have a brother. I believe he's I believe he was saved. But he walked according to the flesh. And died. At twenty nine. The Bible does talk about believers who want, if you want to live like them out there, you are susceptible to what they're susceptible to. It says, but when you're scared, God, I want to please you, but I feel the knocking at the door of my heart desires because they're strong they're not just little inclinations these are passionate thoughts of violating your principles he says "Well, turn up your proactive step into the circles and under the influence of my spirit increase your habits I'm preaching to me get back to your habits habits that in and of themselves are not holy makers but when you are saying, Spirit, I honor the fact that you honor habits, I want to pray more habitually. I want to meet with the brethren more habitually. I want to share my faith more habitually. I want to study the scriptures habitually. I want to meditate on godly things habitually. I want to scale back in my secular intake and up uh, uh, and boost up my godly intake habitually. I place myself and I lean on you, the one who's in me, to produce in me what Philippians 2 says is the will and the do. The desire to, the the will, the desire to please God, and the do, the capacity to please God. Walk by the Spirit in order to not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the promise.